0: You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine and Director of the Digestive Disease Center at the Medical University of South Carolina, Dr. Mark DeLegge. The popular press has called the technique a biopsy inside the body. The technology now exists to perform microscopic imaging of living cells inside the digestive tract. Joining us to discuss endoscopic imaging optics for assessing dysplasia is Dr. Thomas Wang, Assistant Professor of Medicine and Biomedical Engineering at the University of Michigan School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Wang. Thank you. Tom, as I look at this, as a GI doc, I love new toys and new tools. But the first thing I have to ask you, what is microscopic imaging of the GI tract through an endoscope called, and exactly how does it work?
1: The microscopic imaging is the ability to visualize at a cellular and even a subcellular level. And we're starting to also develop the ability to see molecular properties, which is even finer in detail through the endoscope, so essentially being able to take the function of microscopes that we typically see and use in a lab, which are very large and sit on top of laboratory benches, and have we have, through technological developments, been able to reduce the size of these instruments so that they can be passed through a medical endoscope and be used to see inside the human body.
0: So, in fact, you're getting a microscopic image? that we're used to seeing through a microscope on the video imaging?
1: Yes, that's correct. Essentially, as we perform endoscopy to look at the digestive tract and the cells and tissues on the surface of the lumen of the esophagus, colon, small bowel, stomach, we can see in real time the features of the cells and tissue live and be able to study and understand their function.
0: Tom, is there a special name for this device or this technique?
1: Well, there's been a number of different names given to it. I tend to refer to it as molecular imaging. Others refer to it as endomicroscopy. I've heard microendoscopy used as well. But it's all essentially the same thing, is we're looking at the live uh, behavior of of cells and tissue inside the body.
0: You know, from a practicing gastroenterologist standpoint, I realize that this is a, a new tool and a new field, but... What would a practicing gastroenterologist do with this technology? What impact would it have?
1: Well, the major impact is to help the physician determine which regions of the tissue would be of greatest value to better understand the surface area of the digestive tract, whether it be esophagus, stomach, small bowel, or colon. When you unravel it, it's extremely large. It's on the size of perhaps a ping-pong table, for example. If you were to do a biopsy, you only remove about a 16th of an inch of tissue. So there's a lot of area that you're actually missing. If you are able to visualize the cells and, and tissues live, you would have a way of focusing on the areas that would most likely be disease and hence improve your ability to perform diagnosis of, of diseases that are present.
0: We do a lot of disease management currently, as gastroenterologists, what we call screening, we'll say for Barrett's esophagus or for dysplasia or cancer in patients with inflammatory bowel disease, I take it this tool, this microscopic imaging, would be very important in those disease states.
1: Yes, it really would be. Right now, we as gastroenterologists are essentially limited to doing random biopsy to try to find these small foci of dysplasia which is really comparable to trying to find a needle in a haystack. If we had techniques of imaging to help guide us, we would be able to find the problematic areas much more easily.
0: I've got to ask this question. I know as a gastroenterologist, when I see new tools and techniques come out, I'm always worried about training. In most gastroenterologists, we have some training in pathology and some training in looking into the microscope. How do you think it will work with microscopic imaging? the training of the gastroenterologist, not so much the new fellow who's coming in, but perhaps the person who's already out practicing.
1: I think the techniques that we're developing today in the lab is to try to take the subjectivity out of the interpretation images so that minimal training will be needed. For example, one of the areas that I'm developing that I think it has tremendous potential is the use of peptides that will bind to molecular targets on the cells and tissues. And the peptides are labeled with a fluorescence dye so that we can provide a more objective and quantitative way for the gastroenterologist that students' procedure so that when he sees an area on the image that lights up, then that would help him target the path. So so the endoscopist would not need to actually interpret sizes and shapes and and different morphological features that could require a lot of training to do.
0: I take it that you see this, or maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, as becoming kind of a subspecialization of gastroenterology, or do you think it'll become part and parcel of what everybody does?
1: I think if the techniques and methodologies can be simplified, they can be easily done by the community physician, in outpatient clinics that do a lot of screening, say, for dysplasia in the setting of Barrett or ulceroculitis.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mark DeLegge, and joining me today to discuss endoscopic imaging optics for assessing dysplasia is Dr. Thomas Wang, Assistant Professor of Medicine and Biomedical Engineering at the University of Michigan School of Medicine. This is a a new device, obviously, and whenever there's a new device, there's the FDA getting involved with regulatory hurdles for the device actually to get to market. Today, I'm assuming that I can't just go out and buy one of these microscopic tools to be used with the endoscope. What's happening with the FDA and FDA approval?
1: Well, there are already a, a couple of commercial instruments that are available. One is confocal microscope that has been developed by Pentax, and the other is one developed by Monarchia Technologies. They both have either PMA or 510K approval. Some of the molecular reagents that I'm developing will be through a investigation of new drug application that will be used to keep records and just to make sure that the molecular probes are actually safe for human use. The big advantage of developing this imaging technology in the digestive tract is that uh, it's a non sterile environment and very accustomed to encountering peptides, which are protein fragments. And thus, there really is very limited concern for uh, local reaction or systemic toxicity since the peptides are actually topically applied.
0: So, Tom, what I'm hearing you say is that it may not be just or only having to look at a piece of tissue and say that's dysplastic, that's highly dysplastic, that's cancerous, but perhaps moving more in a direction of peptides binding to the surface and and identification of where those binding sites are.
1: That's the future of this field is that dysplasia is traditionally a qualitative diagnosis made by the pathologist based on a number of morphological features of the cell's over the past 10 to 20 years, we've seen a tremendous explosion in our knowledge and understanding of molecular markers that will assign uh, significant and risk when they are overexpressed on these cells and tissues. So, to the extent that we can visualize this endoscopically, will tremendously enhance our ability to risk stratify and perform early diagnosis, and also to monitor therapy in patients who may have, ca- have cancer or precancerous conditions of the digestive tract.
0: So more of a targeted biopsy. That's correct. What about financial reimbursement? I know it's early. You've talked about the device having a PMA or a 510K, which are pre-FDA approval types of terms. For reimbursement, even today, at my university center and academic center, I'm still being held accountable to what we spend and what we can charge the patient and such. What do you see on the financial reimbursement side of this? either now or for the future?
1: Well, I think for now that would be something that we'll need to work through, but as these technologies and techniques mature and demonstrate its efficacy and safety, the procedure will ultimately be considered by the MMS for an ICD-9 code, which some of these procedures can be reimbursed by Medicare.
0: Do you see someone having to completely replace their entire processor and endoscopy equipment, or would this be something that could be used along with what they already have?
1: We're working here at the Universe Mission with several of the major endoscopic companies that are looking forward to the next decade of, of endoscopic imaging, and we should be able to incorporate a lot of the same basic imaging platforms that already exist in the clinic.
0: Tom, there's a lot of other technologies that I've seen And, in fact, uh, some that are being used now, for such as uh, narrow-banded imaging. I've done some chromoendoscopy where I'm sitting there with a spray catheter, spraying a dye on tissue, trying to see if it changes colors or perhaps has some other change. Or, and I've heard about autofluorescence, which basically is having kind of an optical filter on the scope to try to pick up abnormal tissue. Would you consider these technologies competing technologies or very different? than what we're talking about here with the microscopic examination.
1: I think these technologies that you are referring to are really a different class of technology. They have certain advantages in that the techniques either use intrinsic signals of the tissue or or just intervital dyes. The the biggest difference between these classes of imaging techniques and some of the ones that I'm developing and and other people in the field is the the specificity of detection. So with narrowband and chromo, there is an inherent lack of specificity for the cells and tissues that are being imaged. And furthermore, there's no molecular properties of the cells and tissues that are being highlighted, whereas some of these other fields that I and other investigators are involved in really try to examine The molecules that are expressed by the cells and tissues to help us with the detection and diagnosis of
0: disease. Tom, we anxiously await all your contributions to gastroenterology. I would like to thank my guest from the University of Michigan School of Medicine, Dr. Thomas Wang. Dr. Wang, thank you very much for being our guest this week. Okay, thank you, Mark. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com.